success is a weird thing. It's something I feel like all of us chase after. There's something out there that all of us wish we could be successful at. Some milestone if we could just hit it. If we could just accomplish this one thing, we'd be happy, satisfied, complete. I said it's weird because for most of us, even after accomplishing whatever we label as success, we are still left feeling empty. Sure, we celebrate, there's a moment of joy, but just as fast as we reach that mountaintop, we can find ourselves in the valley. We live our life in this never-ending cycle of ups and downs, success and failure, good days and bad days. It is the human experience. Torn Wells has a song called Hills and Valleys. In it, he talks about praising God no matter the circumstances. The chorus goes, on the mountain, I will bow my life to the one who set me there. In the valley, I will lift my eyes to the one who sees me there. When I'm standing on the mountain, I didn't get there on my own. When I'm walking through the valley end, no, I am not alone. You're the God of the hills and valleys, and I am not alone. We've been exploring strange things that happen in the Bible. It's been fun to look at some of the crazy stories that can seem unreal. Today, we look at the life of Elijah. The story of Elijah is a story of a mountaintop moment and a valley of depression. I think as we look through the events recorded in 1 Kings, we will see that most of us share a lot in common with Elijah and the events that unfold in his life. No, we may not call down fire from heaven, but as I said, we all live in this seemingly endless cycle of good days and bad days. Tornwell's song captures that sentiment and while doing so asks the question, can we praise God on the mountain and in the valley? Today, our big idea, it lives right there. Our big idea is the God of the mountain is also the God of the valley. At our Coleraine campus, I talk a lot about growing up in the church and going to church camp every summer. Uh, the camp I went to had a tradition of Bible drama night. And so at camp, you would be in a family group. This would be about 12 kids and two adult leaders. Each group would pick a Bible story and they would get to act it out in front of the camp on Thursday night. All of the stories that could be acted out, Elijah was my favorite. It beat out David and Goliath, which involved having a small kid on the shoulders of a larger kid and wrapped in bed sheets to look like a giant Goliath, then sending a fake rock flying towards his head. It beat out Jesus walking on water, which required sinking a picnic table in a pond so that you could get out of a rowboat and walk across it. No, Elijah was my favorite because it involved fire. Uh, we'll dive into the story here in a moment, but if you're not familiar, Elijah is in a showdown with the prophets of Baal. It's a who can send fire down from heaven first challenge. The one true God or Baal? However, for this story, we took a roll of toilet paper and had it up into a high tree. It was on this guide rope that went down to a fire pit. 
In the story, Elijah pours water all over the wooden altar that God is to light on fire to kind of raise the stakes. In our Bible drama, it was kerosene and that we were pouring out all over the wood. At the right time, we would light the toilet paper and we would send it down the string and into the wood pile for a fiery eruption. For a 12-year-old boy, this was about as good as life could get. Now, I believe the Bible is better than any novel, movie, or TV show. It captures these amazing and sometimes unbelievable accounts of God. Now, just because we don't always see them today doesn't mean that they didn't really happen. Sometimes the truth is stranger than fiction. Let's get some context for our look at the life of Elijah. Elijah is the prophet of God in Israel. The nation of Israel during our story is a divided mess. They follow God one moment and abandon him the next. It happens over and over. The promised land that God had given his people is now divided into multiple kingdoms because no one can get along. During Elijah's time as prophet, there's a king in the northern kingdom of Israel whose name was Ahab. His wife's name was Jezebel. And during his reign, many of the people of his kingdom had abandoned God and become followers of a false god, Baal. Elijah's job was to deliver a message or a warning from God to his people. Elijah meets with Ahab to offer a challenge. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the balls. Now summon the people of all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Elijah has now scheduled a showdown on Mount Carmel between the prophets of God and the prophets of Baal. So Ahab sent word through all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Uh, but the people said nothing. The challenge that Elijah sets up is a fire-making challenge. Do we have any Survivor fans out there? Well, this is nothing like that. They both have calves that are prepared as sacrifices. The prophets of Baal and Elijah. Elijah instructs the prophets of Baal to prepare their burnt offering, but not to light it. Then they are to call on the name of their God to light the fire. So they took the bowl given them and prepared it. And then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. That's 1 Kings 18, 26. For hours, nothing happens. And Elijah begins to taunt them, to make fun of them. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder 
and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. This series is called Stranger Things. I don't know if you would call it strange or not, but it is funny. Elijah is teasing them. Elijah is confident. And I want you to remember that moment later on. Now it's Elijah's turn. And to turn up the stakes, like I said before, he's feeling pretty confident. Elijah has them pour water all over his altar. At the right time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire from the Lord fell and, the, and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water and the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. 1 Kings 18, 36-39. Now that's a mountaintop moment. That's a victory. God shows that He is God, and Elijah gets the privilege of being the spokesman. This is one of those moments where you and I, we think to ourselves, you know what, if I could just see God move like that, if I had a moment like that, my faith would be so strong. I would never doubt. I would never fear. I would never deviate from the path that God has called me to. If, if I could just have that mountaintop moment. It's not true. It wasn't true for Elijah and it's not true for you and me. We may not call down fire from heaven, but we still see God move in big ways. We still have mountaintop moments just like Elijah did. And you know what? We still doubt. We still fear. We still fail. And that's exactly what happens to Elijah. The God of the mountain is also the God of the valley. Sure, the people of Israel repented and believed that God was the one true God. But Jezebel, the queen, she's a mean, nasty woman. I mean, you don't meet many Jezebels. She had already had most of the prophets of God killed. And now she's angry and she's coming for Elijah. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. 1 Kings 19, 1 and 2. Now remember, Elijah just called God to send fire from heaven, and he did it. He just defeated all the prophets of Baal. And now Jezebel is threatening him, and he's terrified. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. 
Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. How quickly things change from the mountain to the valley. Ever feel like you're hitting on all cylinders? Seeing God's blessing, walking in strong faith, but before you know it, everything turns upside down. Glass is always half empty. We become cynical and critical. You've lost your desire to worship. And my favorite phrase is that this always seems to happen to me. Basically, we're depressed, or at least we're defeated. And you wonder, how did I get here? Let's look at what verse 3 through 5 tells us about how Elijah finds himself ready to die. He runs himself empty. The journey he took was over 100 miles. He's basically running marathons nonstop. He's drained, and he continues to run. He isolates himself. He leaves his servant behind. I mean, why do we do that? We push people away. We don't want people's advice, and so we try to do everything alone. We give up. We forget all the blessings. We focus only on the negative, and we can only see defeat. Look what he says in verse 4. I've had enough, Lord. I mean, how many times have you prayed that to God? Reach your breaking point. Now we see that Elijah does a lot of things that compound this. He's running on empty. He's isolated himself. He's reached the point of giving up. Now that doesn't make any of this less real for him. But God hears Elijah's prayer and he has advice for him. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then he laid down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Hereb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Eat and rest. God's advice for Elijah was to eat and rest. It sounds so simple, but in the midst of some of our darkest moments, it could be exactly what we need. God was with Elijah on top of that mountain, and he is with him in this low valley. The God of the mountain is also the God of the valley. I talked about camp before. And I don't know if you've ever had a camp experience, a weekend retreat, a mission trip, a CIY move, or a believe trip. These spiritual high moments, these amazing moments where everything seems right. You're surrounded by people who encourage you, and you feel like you found your purpose. You've never been closer to God. You know, we take our staff on events like this sometimes. David Crowder's leaving, leading worship, and Francis Chan is preaching God's word. And you're on fire, and you're ready to take on the world. And it's time to come home, and your flight's delayed, and they lose your luggage. And by the time you walk in your door to find the list of things that need attention since you've been gone, that fire's out. The depression or the defeat can seem greater because you are on such a high mountain and the valley seems so low. 
You ever feel like that? Like just as you seem to be finding your stride, you trip, and you're back at the bottom. That's the story of Elijah. It's easy to see God in those big moments when fire comes down from heaven and there's no mistaking his power is real and that he is sovereign. I like to say that sometimes God shows up and sometimes he shows off. But what about those moments when you don't hear the audible voice of God or see the evidence of a miracle? Elijah's a prophet. He's got a front row seat to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But even Elijah needs to be reminded that God is capable of a gentle whisper. And to hear someone whisper, we need to be still and silent and lean in. God asks Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? And this is not because God is unaware, but because the Lord is drawing Elijah into the truth. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. Uh, the Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with a sword. And I'm the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? God finally speaks directly to Elijah. And his question is so on point. He basically says, How did you get here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Then God says, I think you need to see me. You need to know that I am with you. And so God passes by Elijah. But he doesn't show up in the wind. He doesn't show up in an earthquake or the fire. God showed up to Elijah in a gentle whisper. The God of the mountain is also the God of the valley. Some of us have been waiting for God to reveal himself to us. And we've been seeking out God and we've been hoping that he shows up in some big and loud and unmissable moment. You know what you need to do in order to hear a whisper? You need silence. You need to be still. You need to lean in. I'm not here to minimize your valley experience. And if you're experiencing depression, you should talk to someone about it today. I do want you to know that while most of us feel God's presence on our best days, I want to remind you that He is with us on our worst days. God is showing up, and you may need to just slow down and be silent long enough to hear Him. Jesus came to save lost people, broken people. He shows up while we are at our worst, when we're at our lowest. I love what Psalm 40 says. 
I waited patiently for the Lord. He, he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. I've got an action step for you today. It's right from our story. I want you to slow down sometime this week long enough to hear from God. Be still and listen. God shows up and whispers. We just need to be silent long enough to hear Him. So when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel defeated, depressed, and that God is nowhere to be found, remember the God of the mountain is also the God of the valley. And you are not alone. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your presence in our lives. God, thank you so much for being with us on those mountaintops, God, but so much more being with us in those dark valleys. God, we are thankful for your son Jesus who meets us when we're at our lowest. Thank you so much for the grace and the salvation that you bring. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.